Yes, that's right, liberals. Your eyes do not deceive you. You see a black man wearing a Trump cap with a flag on the bill. Because that's how I roll. That's how I get down. My name is Derek Wilbur. And you are watching Uncle Tom Talks. This show is coming at you live from Colorado Springs, Colorado. It is being produced back at the mothership by Zach, by a molten mountain of manhood, the ultimate object of desire, pushing the buttons and keeping us moving forward. And if you've never seen Uncle Tom Talks, you're like a lot of people, because this is only our third show, our third podcast. Kicked off last week. We are live Tuesdays and Thursdays at 6 p.m. Mountain Time right here on Conservative Daily. So mark it, put it on your calendar, come back often soon. Uh, there'll be promotional products. I'm hoping to God that we can have Uncle Tom Talks t-shirts and caps and you can wear them loud and wear them proud and let everybody know that the black community isn't all falling in line, drinking the liberal Kool-Aid and singing the same tune. There are plenty of us out here, patriotic Americans who believe that America first is the right way to push our country in the right direction. I've been a fundamental conservative for, geez, for, for, for 30 years. Uh, in my opinion, what does skin color have to do with it? But we'll talk about that some other time. But I've been conservative for 25 or 30 years. Um, my children are more conservative than I am because that's how I raised them. And I'm going to tell you about one of the difference between me and people like Maxine Waters and Al Sharpton and the blacks who grab all the headlines running around screeching about hate and racism 24-7. One of the biggest differences between me and them is simply this. I do not invest my time into looking for racism. I don't invest my time into it. And there are people, and I just named a few of them, and we're going to talk about one of the biggest ones in the country here in a couple of minutes. There are people that that's what they do. They look for racism 24 7 365 they're looking for it everywhere and here's the thing in life you tend to find that which you seek right so if you believe racism is everywhere there's white supremacists hiding behind every blade of grass the system is racist the country is racist everyone is racist you can't get ahead if you're black if that's the way you roll if that's what you think if that's what you believe you run around looking for racism under every single rock Guess what you're going to find? Whereas me, you know, I look for good. I look for beauty. I look for blessing. I walk around believing that I live in the greatest nation in the history of the world. I was blessed to be born here and to be able to live here. And I see beauty in all things. That's what I look for. That's what I find. But there are people who do not fit that description. And we're going to get into one of them right now. So this show isn't going to be, I mean, I don't we're not always, I'm not always going to sit here and talk about issues of race and racism and stuff. I did that last week, doing that again today because it's grabbing the headlines right now. Of course, it's always grabbing the headlines because the racist hunters control the media narrative. But I cannot let of what one of these unbelievable racist bigots had to say a few days ago. And I'm talking about Brittany Cooper. So we're going to talk a little bit about Brittany. So Brittany Cooper, if you do not know, Brittany Cooper, I'm trying to get everything queued up here. Brittany Cooper is an obese, racist professor at Rutgers University, which is in New Jersey. Rutgers University, she's a professor, you, I got, you can guess what she teaches, uh, women's studies, gender studies, and African studies. 
Uh, needless to say, uh, I don't know if she's bright enough to be a, a math or a, a, to teach anything else. And I don't even know if, she, if she's qualified to teach what she does teach, but she's a professor. And she came out and said, gave an interview on some obscure podcast type situation and had some amazing things to say about white people in the United States of America. I can't even believe it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to run. We, we've got an edited for content, an edited for time cut copy of, of her uh this interview, the whole thing, you can find it online. The whole thing is about 45 minutes long. So it, it's a it's a pretty lengthy discussion. In the format of a show like this, that's never gonna work. So I've got a video where it's been whittled down to about five minutes. So get yourself comfortable, get a cold drink, get ready for this. This is about five minutes long. Zach, the ultimate object of desire. Let's bring up cut number one. I think that white people are committed to being villains in the aggregate, right? The real sort of issue here, and I, you know, I've heard people sort of say it, is one, I think that white people viscerally fear. It's not that white people don't know, right, what they have done. They know. They fear that there is no other way to be human but the way in which they are human, which is to, so, you know, like you talk to white people and whenever you, you really want to have a reckoning about it, they say stuff like, you know, it's just human nature. If y'all had all of this power, you would have done the same thing, right? And it's like, no, that's what white humans did. White human beings thought there's a world here and we own it. Prior to them, black and brown people have been sailing across oceans, interacting with each other for centuries without total subjugation, domination, and colonialism. We have seen uh, what, a, what a show this iteration of treatment of, of other human beings means and that my hope is that we would do it differently you know in the moments when we have some power we will not do it perfectly but i do think that all of us can sort of agree that a politics that says like there are superior and inferior human beings just isn't the way to go and that's the thing that white people don't trust us to do because they are so corrupt you know, their thinking is so morally and spiritually bankrupt about power that they can't let, you know, they fear viscerally, existentially letting go of power because they cannot imagine that there's another way to be. It is either that you dominate or you are dominated. And isn't it sad that that, that is spiritually who they are and that they can't imagine a sort of more expansive notion of the world? The thing I want to say to you is we got to take these motherfuckers out but i know but like we can't say that right we can't say like i don't believe in a project of violence i truly don't because i think in the end that our souls suffer from that and i do think that some of this is a spiritual condition so here is where i land most days about white people um and i actually have been helped in this by thinking about indigenous people right see part of the challenge of, around whiteness is that it totally skews our view of everything, right? I gave this like TED talk about this some years back. And one of the reasons I was trying to think about it is like the, the world didn't start when white people arrived in America and tried to tell all the rest of us how things were going to go. There were people out here making worlds, Africans and indigenous people 
being brilliant and, you know, libraries and inventions and, you know, vibrant notions of humanity and cross-cultural exchange long before white people showed up being raggedy and violent and terrible and trying to take everything from everybody. And that's really important because if we believe that history starts for us when white people drag us to these shores, then we can never get outside of the notion that this is going to be our existential struggle all things that begin end. White folks are not infinite and eternal, right? They ain't gonna go on for infinity and infinity. And that's super important to remember that white colonialism and imperialism has a beginning. And in my way of thinking about the world, that means it has an end. And so part of what we are trying to do is to imagine what, it, what are the steps that we must take to get to the other side of this very inconvenient you know, epochal interruption of like black and indigenous world making. I mean, does that give people comfort on a day to day when you like just having to deal with white folks and the, tra you know, the travesties that they create and the sense that they want to destroy the planet? Nah, there is a world beyond even our sojourn on the earth. And so whiteness is going to have an end date because it it is not despite what white people think of themselves, they do not defy the laws of eternity, right? Their projects are not so sophisticated that the natural laws of physics change for them. And when we sort of humble them in the, in humble our own understandings of whiteness, it seems like the biggest giant that we face. But in the end, right, it is what I like to say is, you know, black folks were out here for centuries and centuries and millennia doing all kinds of wonderful things and probably some up things too. But whiteness is largely an, you know, an inconvenient interruption. And so we then get to ask ourselves, so why am I here in this moment of it? Like, damn, you know, why did I show up in this particular iteration? And it's like, well, I think we showed up in this iteration precisely so that we could um, help to figure out an end and a way to the other side of this, you know, uh, gargantuan historical tragedy that is is white supremacy i'm sorry i'm such an what do you what do you even <laughs> what do you even say about that where, 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 where do you where do you where do you go with that that is a racist period inarguable hung by a noose of her own words that is a racist, period. And so I had considered going through that five minutes or so and kind of breaking it down and talking about what she talked about. But the more I think about it, the more I'm thinking that's really just a waste of time because I can't add to or take away from that. There is so much in there. I could do a whole show on about every 20 seconds. This is a person who hates other people because of the color of their skin and she is prejudiced to the core. So prejudice, the root of prejudice is to prejudge, right? That's prejudice, to prejudge somebody based on some external observable personal trait, in this case, skin color. So you notice how many times does she say white people? Okay, white people fill in the blank are this, white people aren't that, white people do this, white people don't do that, white people all white people she said in there the white people want to destroy the planet white people want to destroy the earth white people live on the earth how does that make any sense at all what 
Okay. So I'm going to go and rather than deconstruct the things, the idiotic things that she said, the racist, prejudiced, bigoted, hateful things that this woman said. And that's all she just did was spew five minutes, 45 minutes condensed into five of pure hate. Taking that into consideration, let's talk instead about what she said. Let's talk about who she is. This woman is a paid university professor. She works in classrooms with our young, impressionable minds, with 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds, teaching them these things, these ideologies. And she is far from alone, far from alone on America's university systems. The, the, the university system, the education system in the United States, period, but especially our university systems, has been completely hijacked by these people. She is typical. She's not atypical. She's typical of what you're getting on college campuses. I mentioned a little while ago that my kids, my three kids, I've got a 24-year-old who is a graduate of the United States Air Force Academy. I have a 20-year-old who will be a graduate of college next month. She's graduating in five semesters. That's how intelligent she is. And our youngest is still in high school. Our kids are more conservative than I am, but I put all our kids on notice. There are certain institutions of learning, and I use that term extremely loosely. There are certain institutions of learning in this country. If you want to attend school there, you can forget about my money. Not going to happen. Rutgers University is on that list. Rutgers University will never, ever get a dime of my money. Colorado State University here in our home state of Colorado, CSU up in Fort Collins, will never get a dime of our money. My kids, if you want to go to CSU, you're on your own. I'm not going to do it. My own alma mater, the University of San Francisco, a Jesuit school, a supposed Catholic school in San Francisco. I have a degree hanging on the wall from that school, master's degree, 1996, will never get a dime of my money. My kids want to go there, they're on their own. I'm not going to support this stuff. So let's talk about who this hateful, bigoted, racist is. Her name, as we just went through, let me bring my show notes back up. Here we go. Okay. So Brittany Cooper. Brittany Cooper, this isn't the first time that she's opened her mouth and done this. Okay. What, what, here's the thing about a racist. If you're a racist, you can't hide it, at least not for very long. Now, most racists don't want to. They're not concerned with hiding it. But a racist will always reveal themselves. I have people, you know, people used to ask about Rush Limbaugh. Is Rush Limbaugh a racist and all this stuff? And I say, you know what? Listen to him for a week. Listen to Limbaugh for one week because a racist will always reveal themselves. Listen to him for a week. Come back and tell me what he said, suggested, or did that is inherently racist. Nobody ever got back to me. This woman, you listen to her for 20 seconds and she said 15 racist things. But the left, they're fine with her because racism only flows one direction in their universe, right? It's only white to black. Blacks, ethnic minorities can't be racist in their minds. Despite the fact that she refers to white people generically, all white people are inherently corrupt and racist in her worldview. And she's teaching in a university. Rutgers University of New, of New Jersey. So let's, this isn't the first time. She got into some hot water, not much, because she's in, the, she's in a very protected ecosystem, the United States University system, where there's so much groupthink that what she's saying isn't raising eyebrows in that community. It's raising eyebrows amongst people like us, but we don't have higher fire capability. 
she actually tweeted we're gonna go back to last year 2020 um zach the ultimate object of desire let's bring up uh, let's bring up image number one okay so this is a tweet that this racist bigot who calls herself professor crunk on twitter which by the way i'm off of twitter now she tweeted this in april of last year so about a year and a half ago or whatever the math on that is i feel like most black people are clear that this is utterly absurd to push to reopen the country the to the push wait i feel like most black black people are clear that this is ultimately absurd to push to reopen the country is all about a gross necropolitical calculation that it is black people who are dying disproportionately from COVID. And then a little bit later in the day, maybe later in the same hour, not only do white conservatives not care about black life, but my most cynical negative read of the white supremacists among them is that they welcome this massive winnowing of black folk in order to slow demographic shifts and shore up political power. So what she's saying is that the push to reopen the country because restaurant you know restaurants going out of business by the thousands people losing their livelihood staying home i mean you can't shut down a nation perpetually at some point you've got to get people the ability to go out and earn a living you got to put a ham on the table so we started opening the country up well that's just a, that's just a, a plot that's just a plot because more black people are we're, we're but disproportionately we're dying in proportions of higher higher numbers of COVID than of whites so therefore the push to reopen the country is actually a ploy to kill off more black people and not only do white conservatives not care about black life okay where does that come from because that's just her assumption that if you're white and you're conservative you don't care about black life you just don't care and that would include Ben Carson that would include me that would include Condoleezza Rice. That would include all black life. She didn't qualify it. She said white conservatives don't care about black life. But my most cynical negative read of the white supremacists among them is that they welcome this winnowing of black folks. So the white supremacists, and they're everywhere. They're hiding behind every blade of grass. Everywhere you go in the country, there's white supremacists. They're, they're, they're running amok. They welcome the idea of killing off more black folks in this this person is teaching on a college campus. Image number two, ultimate object of desire. That man, by the way, he's worshiped by men, adored by women. The women call him treetop lover, all the men just call him sir. Let's go to uh, image number two. I appreciate that, sir. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. You're, you're bad, bad Leroy Brown. All right, let me get my copy. Image number two. So continuing the same tweet, uh, tweet string. Earlier this week, I watched a white high school classmate defending Trump on the disinfectant BS. This was back when they accused Trump of saying you should drink bleach or whatever, ammonia. And I realized again that for his supporters, realizing just how wrong they were about this man and the depths of his idiocy and depravity is akin to an existential crisis for them. Yeah, boy, that $1.98 a gallon gas was horrible, wasn't it? Uh, a record repatriation of foreign of, of foreign invested U.S. business dollars coming back. That was terrible, wasn't it? 
uh, opening up, open the, the whole. That was just a disaster. Th th thank goodness we're back to uh, you know we're back to Joe, and now things are going much better. Okay, continuing. They are literally willing to die from this cluster f COVID response rather than admit that absolutely anybody other than him would have been a better president. You know, we're finding that out now. And when whiteness has a death wish, we are all in for a serious problem. What's that even mean? When whiteness has a death wish, we're all in for a serious problem? Well, try making sense. Black people did not vote for this dude in any appreciable numbers. Yeah, except for we voted for him in higher numbers than any other Republican president in, in contemporary history. Black men voted for him at 15% and they are dying the most. No black person deserves this and black women knew it would be absolutely awful for him to be president. And now we all live in daily fear. Okay, kill it. So she's speaking for all black women. All black women lived in daily fear in April of 2020 because of Trump's presidency the single most ridiculous thing I've read in a very long time. But I just wanted to expose to you who this person is. Now, let's, uh, I'm going to continue going, going down the rabbit hole with this woman because this, this is just a fascinating individual. Um, let's go to, so let's, let me give you a look at her. So I'll tell you what, Mr. Uh, uh, Ultimate Object of Desire, let's go to image number three. Why don't you put that up for just a couple seconds and we'll jump to image number four and then come back in. So here she is. Okay, there's there she is uh, speaking at some some radical conference, and she's just a radical. Uh, and then next image, and here she is uh, speaking at some roundtable or who knows what it was. Okay, so now I'm not into I'm not I don't I don't body shame people I don't fat shame people I don't think it's funny uh, I don't think it's appropriate. So you'll never you have never you will never see or hear me getting on people over the way they look even over things that they do have control over uh, in terms of the way they look, putting on makeup and, and what have you, which, by the way, you'll notice in that video, if you didn't notice, her hair was dyed blonde. Okay, this this woman who who hates whiteness and whiteness is the problem with the world and, and all this other nonsense she's talking about, she's dyeing her hair blonde. Why would a black woman do that? Here we go. So... Now you see who she is, and she's 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 obese. I mean, she's she's large. I'm not saying that to shame her. I'm just saying that matter of factly. She spoke last year at another uh, at an own conference, a Black women own conference, and got into this issue of Black female obesity. And here's what she had to say, Captain Courageous. Let's bring up uh, let's bring up cut number number. Whatever we're up to. Cut number three. Like, I hate when people talk about black women being obese. I hate it because it becomes a way to blame us for a set of conditions that we didn't create. We are living in the Trump era. And look, those policies kill our people. You can't get access to good health care, good insurance. The research says that black women, when we do the same diets as white women, we lose less weight and we lose it slower. And what public health practitioners think is that our stress responses in the body change our metabolism. It's literally that 
the racism that you're experiencing and the struggle to make ends meet actually means the diet don't work for you the same. I'm with you. But I think it's also really important for us to know that we have the power to choose how we see ourselves. Sure. We will be fortified to fight all of these other external Ultimate issues when we desire. pour into ourselves enough to I say, okay. I love me, I am not the conditions that surround me, I am not my experience, I am more than the circumstances that I have gone through. I don't know which is more sad. Her sitting there blaming Trump for black women being obese, the ones that are, or all the women in the in the audience sitting there nodding their heads in agreement. Mm-hmm. Yep, she's right. She's right. Mm-hmm. I hate when people talk about black women being obese. I hate it because it becomes a way to blame us for a set of conditions that we didn't create. So you didn't create the fact that you're obese, a set of conditions, whatever that is. We're living in the Trump era and look, these policies kill our people. It's literally that the racism you're experiencing and the struggle to make ends meet actually means the diet don't work for you the same. Nice English. Okay, so it's not your fault. Nothing's your fault in liberal land. And nothing's your fault. You do not own responsibility for anything in your life. If you're obese, it's Trump's fault. It's racism's fault. Nothing is actually your own behaviors. Now, listen, there are some people who are obese and they are dealing with sets of circumstances which they don't have control over. Hereditary issues. I mean, you have no control over who your parents are, who your parents' parents were. You get some things handed into you genetically through the gene pool, and you had nothing to do with it. And there are people who are predisposed to diabetes. There are people who are predisposed to putting on weight easily. And I understand all that stuff, and that's all true. But that's not the same thing as saying it's a social, a social construct brought about by Trump. You're fat because it's Trump's fault. But that's what she said. So... And that's what she believes. Clearly, she believes it. So Rutgers University employs this individual, and I'm sure she is well compensated. Uh, Rutgers, I think Rutgers is public, therefore her compensation is public as well. I didn't take the time to look it up, but I'm sure she's well compensated to stand in front of students and spill this drivel, inject them full of this hate. I wrote a column. I want to read something interesting one day. I wrote a column. This is years ago. This is 2015-16. Uh, Do a, a search engine search. By the way, use DuckDuckGo. Stop with Google. Google is a part of the empire, evil empire. They're buying and selling you 15 times a minute. DuckDuckGo. My name. You see it right there. Okay, that's how you spell it. And the title of the article is The Rich liberals of academe the rich liberals of academe a-c-a-d-e-m-e it first appeared on american thinker then it was circulated all over the place and i talk about how these these college professors you know i tell you the genesis for all this my wife bought my oldest son and i 
we're big sports fans. She brought bought us tickets to go see UCLA play the University of Colorado in Boulder. I'd never been to Boulder before. This is six, seven years ago, but we haven't, hadn't lived here that long. And I'd never been there. So she got us tickets for, for Christmas to go see the UCLA game. So I said, let's go up a little bit early, drive around campus, and, and I, I want to see the campus. And as I was driving around the campus at the University of Colorado at Boulder, I noticed something very interesting. The faculty parking lots were filled with Mercedes-Benz, Jaguars, Range Rovers. Okay, there wasn't a whole lot of 1995 Ford pickup trucks that these faculty were driving. I thought, you know, this, these are public employees. I bet I could research and find out how much money they make. And I did, and turned it into that column. So this woman, I'm sure, she, the rich liberals of academia, my name, you'll like it. You, you'll like it. I don't know what she's compensated, but let's take a look. I, I did, did some research and dug up some student information at Rutgers University. So Rutgers University, total enrollment right now is 50,411 people. 50411. That's total. I think that there's there's four or five campuses. That's across all campuses. 50,411. Of that, just 3,870 are Black or African American. That's all. Less than 4,000 of over 50,000. Currently enrolled 18,000. 327 white. Well over a third, that's about what, 36, 37% of the population is white. The next largest ethnic group is Asian, over 13,000. And then it goes on down from there. So a third, over a third of the students at this campus are white. And she's standing there in front of the classroom telling these white students, I mean, she's got to have white students in her class. There's not that many black ones on the campus. She's got white students in class and she's standing there telling them that your, your whiteness is the problem with the world. And parents pay for this and they pay a lot. The university system in this country, you want to talk about out of control, do the math on this. Here's something that very few people have ever thought about. Rutgers University, if you've got a calculator or your phone or open up a calculator in a separate web browser on a separate web page right now, do this. I'm going to give you a quick exercise. This will only take 13 seconds. I'll do it myself. Rutgers University, average in-state tuition is $18,000, okay? So let's assume for the sake of conversation that all the students at Rutgers, all 50,411 are both undergraduate and in-state, okay? So they're paying the least you can possibly pay in tuition. If you're out of state or if you're in a graduate program or whatever, it's higher than 18,000. Let's just assume they're all in-state, they're all undergraduate studies. $18,000, multiply that by 50,411, okay? 18,000 times 50,411. That comes out to 900 million, no, 907 million, 398,000 dollars. So I'll round that up to 910. 910 million, dollars in tuition alone 
Okay, that's not getting into parking passes, meals, revenue that the university makes from sports, from basketball and football, which are the highest revenue sports, uh, t-shirt sales, book sales at the bookstore. I mean, th there's other sources of revenue. Just tuition, $910 million a year. And that's just Rutgers, $18,000. We're not talking about Notre Dame, Stanford, Duke. I mean, some of these places where your tuition is 40, 50, 60, $80,000 a year. This is just $18,000 a year, over $900 million a year in tuition alone. These places are money printing machines. Machines. You know what every single college campus in the country has in common? I travel all around the country to college campuses. I have for years. I speak on them and I run an internship program. I'll do an episode on my internship program someday. But I go to college campuses everywhere. You know what they all have in common? Cranes. Cranes. Every single one of them, they have crane, there's cranes everywhere. They're putting up new buildings. They're putting in new football stadiums. They're broadening the streets. They have building projects that never stops on college campuses. Why? Because these places are printing $900 million a year. Think about that. So I'm going to get off this Rutgers thing because this lady is making me sick. But before I do, I want to give you, so if you want to, I believe in, I'm an activist. And I believe in activating people. It's good to sit and watch this stuff and get the information. But if you don't do anything with the information, what good is it? Here is the contact information at Rutgers University. Ultimate object of desire. Do you have this in a, I sent this over as a file earlier today. I think you've got it. If you don't, I'll do it away. You got it? Anybody? Earth? Anybody? Earth? I do not. Is there a specific one you want me to play? University, Rutgers University contact information. Don't have it? Okay. No, sir. We'll get it on, we'll get it on later when we cut this and put it up. So I put, a, I put together a list of the phone numbers and emails of all the people at the top of the ladder at Rutgers University, the president and so on and so forth. So she's put out all this hateful, awful stuff. These are all things she said. And what has Rutgers so far done? This is from savejersey.com April of last year Rutgers disavows tenured professors racist tweets she's tenured which means she can't be fired for the most part there's no word yet if any other action will be taken which probably means it won't but Rutgers University has disavowed the tweets of associate professor Brittany Cooper quote Dr. Krup Dr. Cooper's Twitter statements are her own personal statements and not those of Rutgers University, end quote, said the RU Director of Public Relations in a statement uh, released, blah, 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 blah. So they've disavowed. What's that mean? How, how, many places, how many places can you work? How many places of employment are there in this country, indeed in this world, where you can say the things that she said and still have a job the next day, the next hour. Or how about this? Instead of white and whiteness, take out white and put in gay. Imagine if she said all those things, but instead of saying white, gay. Or instead of saying white, Muslim. Or instead of saying white, black, or Latino, or Hispanic. 
Imagine if she had gone off on that five-minute rant you just saw a little while ago talking about gays. How long would she be employed? Multiple standards. Multiple standards. When you're on the left, you can and say anything you want about the white majority. So the university has disavowed her statements haven't disavowed her, have disavowed her statements, whatever that even means. That means we have no backbone. That means we are not going to do a single thing about this individual other than disavow. And that's it. And trust me, friends, she is far from alone on America's campuses. Far from alone. Okay, and we're going to move on to a brand new segment. Hey, this is breaking news. On Uncle Tom Talks, we are going to now move on to real fake headlines so here's what we're going to start doing on uncle tom talks just to have a little bit of fun and you're going to have to um you have to participate in this in the chat i am going to read four headlines okay four headlines taken from um, websites and stuff around the country three of these headlines are real one of them is fake you have to figure out which one is the fake one all right so when you think you know the fake one i want you to type it into the chat if you get it right there's going to be an incredible prize you're going to win such an incredible you're going to win you're going to win the 900 million dollars from rutgers university they're going to give it to you instead of spending it on new stadiums and uh and and, and dormitories okay four headlines headline number one CDC says unvaccinated should stay home for the holidays. Headline number two, mayor, this is referring by the way to the mayor of Seattle, mayor quietly admits Seattle police staffing crisis. Okay, headline number three, California tow truck company refuses service to non-hybrid or electric vehicles. So they're not gonna tow gasoline powered cars. Headline number four, Pfizer expects $36 billion in sales from COVID-19 vaccine. Okay, there you go. So I'll, I'll read them to you again. CDC says unvaccinated should stay home for the holidays. Number two, mayor quietly admits Seattle police staffing crisis. Number three, California tow truck company refuses service to non-hybrid or vehicles and number four expects 36 billion dollars in sales from the COVID-19 vaccine so which of those four do you think is the fake and I don't have access to chat for whatever reason I'm locked out so I'm just going to give it a couple seconds type in the one that you think is fake and then I'm going to reveal to you the truth I will show you the truth I will show you the way Okay, so I'll tell you what we're gonna do. Headline number one, CDC says unvaccinated should stay home from the holidays, for the holidays, actually came from a website called the DC Patriot. And I don't know if the ultimate object of desire, there he is, the ultimate object of desire just shows it, showed it to us. So the CDC has released guidelines much like it did last year, saying that uh, if you have Thanksgiving, 
you hate grandma, basically. You, you, you want you want vulnerable populations to die if you have Thanksgiving and Christmas and have the family over and do the traditional thing. That means you want your family members dead. Headline number two, mayor quietly admits Seattle police staffing crisis. That came from MyNorthwest.com. MyNorthwest.com. The mayor of Seattle, and this woman is a piece of work. You want to talk about somebody that I could do a show on. She quietly has admitted that the police staffing crisis is real. The mayor's office has admitted that over 250 police officers in Seattle have resigned. And in fact, it's much higher than that. If you read that article, that's that's lowballing it. And of course, crime is up, robberies are up, murders are up, everything is up, just like everywhere they defund the police. And now people are sitting on hold for an hour to get a 911 call re responded to. They don't have just there's no staff. Everybody's they're quitting. So you call a 911 if you have a non-life-threatening emergency, you can sit there for an hour before somebody picks up, let alone before a cop shows up at your house, if they ever do. So now what the, the mayor of Seattle is doing, is she's dipping into her discretionary funds to offer signing bonuses for people, for cops to come to Seattle and sign up for work, 5,000 bucks. So she is quietly refunding the police she defunded. Defunded the police, got the chief of police in Seattle to quit she resigned, a black woman, by the way, last year, quit because she couldn't operate under those conditions. The city burns every night. It's incredible what's happening there. And the cops just said, you know, screw it. I'll take a job in Sarasota. And they're out of there. So now the city's turned, turned into just the ultimate crap hole in order to attract some police back. She's offering signing bonuses. And this press release being referred to in that article on my northwest uh, call it what my northwest co whatever it was dot com was released on friday night okay after dinner time on friday so there'd be as little press coverage as possible so this woman would have to eat publicly eat her crow that her desire to defund the police is having the exact effect that anybody with a brain could have guessed it was going to have and then headline number three California tow truck company refuses service to non-hybrid. Uh, oh, you jumped to number four, Mr. Producer. Okay, well, you, he's not going to put up number three because this is the fake. But does this seem like could be real, didn't it? I did a good job on this one. California tow truck company refuses service to non-hybrid or electric vehicles. That seems just like something a California tow truck company will probably be doing one day soon. You need a tow, but you drive a V8 Mustang. Not going to tell you, 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 you want to kill the planet. And then headline number four, Pfizer expects $36 billion in sales from COVID-19 vaccine. That is real. That came from The Hill. $36 billion, with a B, billion dollars. You want to talk about a cash cow. And you want to know what's built into that $36 billion? I can guarantee you. What's built into that $36 billion is a legal defense fund. Believe it. There is a legal defense fund built in there for when the class action suits come. It's just a matter of time. Probably not much of it. I would guess somewhere between 5 and 15 years when people's livers start falling off. 
Okay, when, when spleens start to fall right off, and it's going to get traced back to these vaccines that these these jabs, I'm going to call them vaccines, these jabs that were rushed to the market with almost no human trials whatsoever. No one has any idea what the long-term effects are going to be. You know, there are a lot of medicines, a lot of inoculations on the market today. And they were in human trials for 10, 12, 15 years before the FDA approved them for public use. This thing was put on the market in what? 11 months, 17 months, whatever. We have no idea. So in 15 years, when your when your liver falls off, and they can trace it back to that jab you allowed them to put into your body back in 2021, 2022. People are going to lawyer up. All these commercials you see on the on the 10 o'clock news for these ambulance chasers, these 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 attorneys call the law offices of Derek and Wilburn. If you have uh, if you have shortness of breath, if if you if you took the COVID-19 jab. Those guys are going to have so much business, they won't be able they, they they forget about chasing ambulances. Okay, this business of if you were hit in a wreck, if you were hit by a semi-truck, they can forget about that. They will have all the business they could possibly handle with the class actions and with the lawsuits coming down the pike in five to fifteen years over people realizing what this what this jab actually what effect it actually has on the human body, which might not show up for a couple of decades that they can't answer the phone fast enough. They'll have to hire 15 people just to answer the phone saying, I want to get a piece of that lost lawsuit. My liver fell off last night and I went in on that lawsuit. So 36 billion, and that's just as of today, 36 billion as of November 2nd or whatever the reporting date was. That 36 billion is only going to go up, okay, with the federal government complicit with the, the big pharma companies and telling employers, you have to get your people jabbed and all these companies and school districts and everybody else falling in line, forcing this thing into people, into people's bodies, or you can't work here anymore. You can't earn a living here unless you get this thing. That 36 billion is only going to grow. That could double or triple. Easy. Easy. Yeah, you know, by 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 springtime, by Valentine's Day, that 36 billion could be 70 billion. And a big chunk of that is going to be sitting somewhere waiting. For when the lawsuits come and we have to defend ourselves, and if we lose and have to pay out, we need to make sure we got $20 billion stashed to pay these people off whose livers fell off. You heard it here first. Gonna happen. This has been Conservative, uh, this is, what is this? Conservative Daily. This has been Uncle Tom Talks. I'm Derek Wilbur, and you can catch Uncle Tom Talks right here Tuesdays and Thursday evenings, 6 p.m. Mountain don't forget to turn your clocks back this weekend. You get that free hour of sleep, and you can use it on Tuesday night watching Uncle Tom Talks. Signing off from now. Until then, peace in the hood.